Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lemire. You wish you could magically care less about the things that bother you? Why is it so hard to make real friends as we get older? And what keeps us from making a big change in life? Mark Manson has sold over 15 million copies of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Now, the book has been made into a documentary. Today, Mark and I sit down to discuss what makes him feel insecure, dealing with negative feedback, and what Will Smith taught him about fame. We only had a few minutes to talk, so we kicked things off, catching up about one of our favorite philosophers, Ken Wilber, and of course, we had to address the controversial comeback of the metal band Pantera. Hey, Mark. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. It's been a while. Uh, a friend of mine, Scott Barry Kaufman, landed Ken Wilbur on his podcast and emailed me and was like, I don't know anything about this guy. What should I, what should I ask him? And I was like, dude, <laughs> I'm like... I could like, where do we start? I don't even know. I could write an essay of things to ask him. So, uh, but anyway, I thought that uh, you would appreciate that. All you have to do is just <laughs> ask one question and then Ken will talk for three hours. So there's really not much he has to worry about. <laughs> that's, that's true. That, that's a good point. <laughs> well, I am curious. There's a big question I have. Like, how are you feeling about this Pantera comeback? I'm a little, I'm, I'm curious how, how folks are feeling about it. Uh, I don't, it doesn't feel right. You can't. I didn't realize it was actually happening. I heard that they were talking about it, uh, but is it actually happening? Yeah, they played a show last weekend with Charlie Benante and Zach Wild, and so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It feels money grabby, right? Like it's a little tough. It's a little tough to watch. But um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I, you know if. We, yeah, we should probably actually. We should probably we should actually. It's fine. No, we don't. We don't have our typical. We don't have our typical time here. So let's let's jump in. Yeah. But I was curious about that. I was like, I wonder how you feel from Texas and metal. It's like that's a that's that's sacred ground right there. So. Um, yeah. 
Seriously, congrats on this movie because I mean, you mentioned Ken. Ken, we would sit in circles with Ken and trying to figure out how to how to make movies around his subject. It's hard. It's really hard, and you guys yeah. rocked it. You you really yeah. did. It's not a lecture. Thanks, dude. It's a self help book, for lack of a better term, turned into a film that is engaging the whole way out. Visually, it's beautiful, and. Yeah, I, I was amazed. I was really, and I'm really hopeful. It's like, oh, wow, this is a, you guys are really pushing this medium. And I just was really, really excited. Um, and so it just was like, I, I was skeptical when I saw about this coming because it's usually like, oh, this is going to be a 90 minute lecture. And it wasn't, man. You guys rocked it. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out and uh, going into it, you know, having, knowing nothing about filmmaking at all uh, going into it, I, I, there was definitely some trepidation of like, what am I doing? <laughs> is this, am I about to embarrass me? You know, am I about to face plant really hard in front of millions of people? Um, but yeah, I think it turned out great. Well, it is a huge leap. And that was one of the things that I wanted to touch on. And obviously the book is about what we choose to give a fuck about. And well, this is your baby. And mm. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to make a film about it. You didn't have to go in this direction. And nonetheless, it's incredibly, I'm imagining it's incredibly vulnerable to now be releasing a movie where you're essentially the star. You're the only guy that's really on screen. You're the only guy that really has a voice in this thing. It's, I'm like, okay, how does Mark Manson not give a fuck about this? <laughs> oh, I definitely do. I definitely do. Um, yeah, it's been a little bit of a, a mind trip. It's funny because the, hardest part about it was actually watching the various cuts and the filming itself was a breeze. I mean, I, and I've been, cause I said the filming process, other than the swimming pool scenes, the, the filming process was basically just me sitting in a room talking, doing an interview like this for six, seven hours straight for three days. And I've been doing interviews about subtle art for forever, for like seven years. So that, that, was felt very much in my wheelhouse and was not a huge issue. The filming was fun. It was interesting. It was all new for me. Um, got to be on a film set, got to like have my makeup done. Like it, you know, it was the whole thing was, was just wild. Uh, but yeah, then when, when the edits started coming out and there were a couple of times I went down, went to the office, the production office there in New Zealand and, and they showed me, different scenes and asked for my opinion and wanted feedback on structural things and stuff that that's when I was like, Oh my God, I'm on fucking camera. Like the entire time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it definitely brings to the surface a lot of, uh, you know, insecurities and self doubt and stuff like that. Well, I'm curious how that, because essentially the book is about that. The film is mm -hmm. about that. And I'm wondering, okay, is this happening in real time? This thing's coming out. And I mean, with anything, you put anything out in the world and then it becomes this screen that everybody projects stuff onto. And yeah, I mean, how have you dealt with that over, over the years, especially with this book? It's, it's very polarizing. I, what, what sticks mm -hmm. for people? Are you surprised about what sticks for people and, and what sticks out for people? Like, wow, that's, that's the thing you're going to latch onto? I've just been curious how, <laughs> how, it, how those things land. At this point, it's pretty clear what the, the book's greatest hits are. You know, the, there's probably five or six sections of the book that consistently come up as people's favorites. What's, what's interesting is that the, 
when there's negative feedback, when there's criticism, it's all over the map. And it's you, and it's always, it's always something tiny. Like it, it, it starts as a very nitpicky thing. It's like a single phrase or sentence from one part of a obscure story in a chapter. And then people just start extrapolating conclusions out of that and start assuming that I'm, you know, race, racist or fascist or communist, or, you know, like whatever ist that they hate the most, they decide that I must be that thing because of these like three words in this one sentence. And, you know, so that's, um, but I, I, I will say, I think as an author, you're, there's a certain amount of removal that you have from your audience. Like I don't actually get to see my readers and my readers don't actually get to see me there. It's there's like almost a layer of protection in that way. Whereas I feel like with a film, because it is so it is visual it does feel more intimate and and i've i've definitely noticed that i i'll put it this way it's funny when i release a book i'm definitely insecure about things but i'm i'm mostly insecure about ideas it's like is that is that really a good idea did i miss something is my logic not solid you know is the study that i referenced bullshit um like those are the sorts of things I worry about with a book with this. It's, it's, it's a much more visceral kind of like school playground. I hope they like me <laughs> type yeah. insecurity, uh, which is, you know, I'm not used to, I've, I've, I've not felt something like that in a long, long time. Uh, so yeah, it's been interesting. It's been a really interesting experience. Have there been any parallels with the, I mean, you, you go, you get really personal. I think, I think this, the movie's far more personal than the, than the book was. And yeah. we get really into your pattern and the escapism or the, the hedonic treadmill, like all of that kind of thing. Was there any, is there any part of this? It's like, am I still on it? Am I still here? I am. I'm in a movie and I'm at the center of all of this attention. Like, is <laughs> there, <laughs> I know you can totally mind fuck yourself in that, but how yeah, do you navigate I, that? Like, of, of oh, okay, I know my shit, and I know I know I've got a tendency to possibly go down these roads. Do you actively have to work with that, or what is that like for you? It's interesting because I, I honestly think, you know, I've actually been very for ninety percent of this film's process, I was actually pretty lackadaisical about it. Um, you know, it's despite what people would assume the money in, in niche documentaries is not, <laughs> it's not super exciting. Uh, you know, so the, there's the, the financial side is not a big deal. Uh, it's a new medium that I've never participated in before. And I don't really have any ambitions. Like I'm not trying to be the next Dwayne Johnson or anything. Uh, so, you know, it, I imagine I'm never going to do a film again. So there's not that aspect of like, Oh, I hope this works. So I get more opportunities so through most of the process, you know, I really, the, the reason I wanted to do it was just simply, there are a lot of people who don't read books that I think would benefit from these ideas. And that was kind of the long and short of it. And um, so that made things very simple through most of it. There was like very little ego or uh, worrying about like, you know, what am I, why am I in this project? Um I felt like I very much knew what that why I was in this project. I think now that we're actually getting closer to the release, it is 
it is bringing up a lot more emotions and, and also kind of a realization of like, Oh shit, like this could actually be more impactful. Like, let's say it does turn out to be a big success. Like that actually can be very impactful on my day-to-day life uh, in a way that say having a hit book is not you're more recognizable people, people's judgments of you are a little bit different. I mean, this is one thing that I, I remember talking to Will Smith about when I was working on his book is he, he told me, he's like, there are very different forms of fame. Like being music famous is a very different experience than being movie famous. Um, and being movie famous is different than being like TV famous. Like people treat you differently. They look at you differently. They make different assumptions about you. Uh, so I'm kind of like, that's starting to come home a little bit with this just in the last couple of weeks, you know, maybe it ends up being a, a, a nothing burger in the story of my career, or maybe it ends up being very pivotal and changing everything. So I, I, I honestly, I could see it going either way. Um, but it's, it's been interesting to think about, I guess. Yeah. A, a lot of the guys that I work with as a coach, um, they've achieved some level of quote success, whatever that means for their lives. You have obviously done that in spades but there tends to come with it a isolation. It becomes, things mm-hmm. become a little more insular. And you talk a lot about the role of romantic relationships and that dynamic of, you know, kind of doing the healing and that work that you did it for yourself in the film. Um, we didn't really talk, talk about the trust of friendships and the other types of relationships. And so many guys that I talked to, it's really challenging to develop those relationships, develop trusting um, relationships with others. There's, it's, it mm. tends to be more transactional or convenient. Um, but a lot of guys are, are really alone. And I've noticed that even for myself, as I've gotten older, it's just a lot easier to just do family stuff. And, you know, I keep in mm-hmm. touch with guys long distance and that kind of thing, but man, really hungry for a sense of brotherhood. I think that is a, a huge desire for a lot of us is to just have access to that, that sense of brotherhood. And I'm curious, is it just a pain in the ass to, to create these relationships or do we just live with this isolation? I'm curious what your interpretation is of that. Oh man. Well, there, there's, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of layers to that. I think there's like a very macro layer, which is just kind of the fabric of society is altering quite a bit. Like we're becoming much more atomized. Like, like if you just think about every super convenient app on your phone is removing dozens and dozens of human, small human interactions that you would have every day. You know, it's like just the fact that you can like order food from your phone is, is removing hundreds of small human interactions that you're having throughout the year. And I think we, we underestimate kind of the aggregation of all those things. Social media obviously is altered people's social lives a lot we're living in a world now where people are more, we're more connected superficially, but we are more isolated physically um, than, than any time, I guess, in recent history, maybe ever. Uh, So I think, you know, there's that layer to it. You also brought up the age thing. I think it's a pretty ubiquitous experience of people. I'm 38 now. I don't remember how old you are, but you know, once you get into thirties and forties, it's finding friends, making friends, keeping friends. It becomes a lot more difficult than it was when you're in your teens and twenties. It's funny. I actually just tweeted a couple of days ago. I said, uh, the reason it's so hard to make new friends as an adult is because everybody that is worth knowing has something better to do. Uh, 
<laughs> which I, I've definitely found true in, in my life. And it, it's really hard. Like you have to really, I think part of it too, is that you, by the time you get to your thirties and forties, like you really start to know who you are, you know, your values, you know, what you care about. You've got your career going, you're focused on that. Maybe you've got, you know, a wife, some kids, you're focused on them. And you don't really want to deviate. Like it's, I don't know. It's like this part of life is about focus. It's about narrowing the time and energy that you're spending so that you can maximize what you're doing. And yeah, I just, I think about it. Like, I don't have time to just go dick around in a bar anymore. Like that's <laughs> even right. if I wanted to, which I don't, I don't really want to, like, I don't have time. Like, it's just not a good use of my time anymore. Um, whereas, you know, when I was 25, that's all I wanted to do. That's, that is all I did. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's an age component. I think you could argue there's, there's potentially a gender component. I think men, tend to, you know, if you look at the data, statistically, men tend to be, women tend to be the social glue, the social fabric. You know, I think men lean on their partners a lot to, to be the director of the social activities. And then it just for me personally, coming back to the success piece, there was this great quote, Jason Calacanis was just on Tim Ferriss's podcast. And he said, the more successful you become, the smaller your world gets which I thought was really profound. And I definitely relate to a lot. You kind of, he said that people, when you're young and you're starting out, you have kind of have people have this naive belief that like, Oh, if I can just make a bunch of money and kind of get known for some things, like everybody's going to want to hang out with me. I'm going to have friends everywhere. Uh, all the doors are going to be open to me. And he said, actually what happens is the opposite kind of happens because it, the more successful you become, the more fame you have, the more people judge you, they envy you, they maybe try to take advantage of you, manipulate you. Um, and he said, it, it's also, there's a smaller, the higher you get, there's a smaller and smaller group of people that you relate to and relate to their experience. This is obviously something that I'm still, is a very salient question in my own life something I think about quite a bit. And I definitely crave strong friendships and community a lot. Like it's something that I am kind of always on the lookout for um, in my own life, because I, I think at this age and in what I'm doing, this career path, like it is uh, it's hard. It's, it's scarce. Like it's, you know, I'm not working in a big office with 200 people. Like it's, <laughs> um, you know, I've got to be on the lookout for it. I think it's great to, to hear that perspective because uh, I, uh, that myth is alive and well, if only, right. If only I was at this stature, mm -hmm. if only if I was at this place, you know, look at all the people I'd have access to, look at all the people that would be approaching me for X, Y, Z. And I found it to be the opposite. You know, I, I coached a guy that was a billionaire, self-made billionaire. And he was like, the only people I interact with are people I can fire. And it was sad. It was really sad yeah. just how really lonely he was and how he really couldn't trust anybody because everybody was kissing his ass in a sense. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's important because it's such a nourishing part of our lives. And yet it's also really challenging to, to create there. Yeah. Next thing I wanted to ask you about was redefining ourselves. And a lot of the guys that I, I work with are, are trying to redefine themselves. They reach some 
okay, I've done well. I got to this point. What's the next thing? Um, I'm scared to move on to the next thing. I give a fuck about my money and my lifestyle and my status. And you talk about identity so much in the book and in the mm-hmm. uh, and in the film. Uh, and I'm curious what your take is on it. When why we resist redefining ourselves? Why we re- would resist moving it in that next phase of life? I think there's a couple reasons. One, the primary one is just simply the uncertainty or the insecurity. You know, it's it's even if you don't particularly like who you are, it's comfortable. You know what your day looks like. You know what your relationships look like. Whereas even if the person you want to become is in your mind, a better person, you don't know what that person's life is like. You don't know what their relationships are like. You don't know the challenges that they deal with or the sacrifices they have to make. And so there's, there's just, I think an inherent fear with any sort of identity change, anything that threatens your identity is just, I think our, our psychology's natural response is fear, good or bad. I think another aspect of it is People, I think when most people think about changing themselves or changing their identity, it's very easy and it's very exciting and fun to think about the benefits of that identity change. You know, you think about like, oh, that, that how amazing that new career is going to be, or if I move to this new city and live in this new house, like how everything's going to be perfect and amazing. It's, it's, you can really occupy yourself for many hours, just kind of dreaming and fantasizing about those things. But it's not fun or exciting to think about the sacrifices of that change, the, the stress and the frustration and the, the uncertainty uh, of trying to become a different person, trying new habits and behaviors, trying to live in a new place, trying to form a new community. But the thing is, is like, it's the sacrifices that actually make it happen. So yeah, I, I just think there's a natural bias to think about the results and the results make you feel good, but they don't actually get anything done. You actually, you have to think about what are you willing to give up for something? You go into that quite well and quite in depth in the, in the film. I think you even said, uh, change is fucking brutal. I think is the, the, the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. Oh, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, my man. Well, I just want to bring up, uh, I think your friend Jimmy was a psychopath. I don't think he was just an entitled (laughs) douchebag. I think he checked a lot of psychopath boxes, man. (laughs) Maybe he was. Maybe he was. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping somebody writes a book like how to spot psychopaths and malignant narcissists (laughs) because I think our world would be a lot better off if we could spot them early on and it's like oh this guy's just not just a dickhead he's a he's a he's really not well um so I uh it's funny so uh, one of the interviews I did yesterday they asked me you know has Jimmy ever reached out First of all, I don't think Jimmy knows that they're if even if, if he's read my book, I don't think he knows that he's Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny because when we were making the film, Nathan, the director, he wanted to know. He's like, "I can you show me Jimmy? Like, can you show me his Facebook profile and show me some pictures?" He's like, "I want to get a good sense. Like, how are we going to represent this guy?" So I had not thought about Jimmy and. 10 years, eight years, something like that. And sure enough, I went on Facebook. I wasn't friend. I'm not friends with him anymore on Facebook, but I dug up his profile, uh, you know, found his social media accounts and stuff and looked on it. And 
sure enough, you know, guess what he's doing? It's, you know, a picture of him standing next to a private jet <laughs> saying like, you know, our platinum silver circle it only has three spots left, like sign up today. And uh, I was just like, yep, dude is still, still hustling. Still doing it. Still doing it. <laughs> still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, again, congrats on the film. Congrats on all the success. What's I is it too far? You got anything in the on the burner? What's what's cooking up next for you? Uh, I've got another book in the works, uh, although I think it's still probably a couple of years away. Um, still early early days. Too early to really talk about it much. But working on a a, a new book. Um, I'm I'm investing a lot actually starting next year i'm going to be doing a lot more youtube content uh video content online and really kind of just getting back to my bread and butter um i did the last few years i've done a bunch of fun kind of different projects i did a uh an audio book for audible i did the will smith book and then i've done this film and it's been fun but it's I'm, I'm definitely, I'm feeling this urge to kind of get back to my roots, which is just online, online audience, nurture the online audience, write a book and kind of enter the next phase of my career, I guess. Right on, man. Thank you so much, buddy. I look forward to uh, sharing this with everybody and uh, talking to you again soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.